0: unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible-carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in.
1: Okay, well, here we are with the next episode, and uh, we are going to uh, be talking about, um, what day is it? Easter... uh, Easter 6. Easter 6, and we are live at the Mockingbird Conference with a live chapel audience, and uh, here we are and i'm feeling warmed up and ready to go let's do this (laughs) you're looking excited i am i'm on the mic so uh so yeah did we want to take questions before we begin a little bit about preaching or anything like that questions
0: it's a live live audience good You guys are excited all right keep it to yourselves i don't want your questions anyways all right well maybe
1: they'll come afterwards okay so uh we are um here on the uh sixth sunday of easter
0: yeah so uh it's again as, as you said last week jake uh, there are 50 days. It's a long season of Easter. Uh, we're beginning to get now into the end of May, Memorial Day, summer. There's uh, there's the summer anxieties which are around mm-hmm. the corner. There's the whole swimsuit body question. There's the everybody's taking a better vacation than me question. Uh, there's the uh, I'm exhausted because my kids are out of school and they're home all day and I just want to be in the bathroom for about 30 minutes. That's yeah. all I
1: want. Little private time. Little me time. Uh, these are all the things that are going to be happening. Yeah, and on this sixth Sunday of Easter, we begin with a powerful, powerful collect, which says, uh, there's a great line in there, you have prepared for those who love you such good things as surpass our understanding. So as we're moving to that, um, as we're moving into that anxious season of summer and what's going on, uh, never forget that God has promised us good things that surpass our, our, our uh, imaginations, and uh, that is primarily that He has died for you, and risen for you, and most importantly, coming again for you. And uh, we kick off once again in the Book of Acts, and I think, you know, um, Easter in the liturgical year is very powerful, and, uh, it, you know, we have these years, and one year it's First Peter that it walks through, and uh, this year it happens to be the Book of Acts. And that can oftentimes be a great time to do a sermon series built on the round lectionary you can do a sermon series on acts or you can do a sermon series on first peter when it's that particular year and it's very powerful but here we are in the book of acts
0: <laughs> yes uh, acts chapter 16 we've jumped ahead from last week where it was peter after being given the vision to eat all things and how he then Gentiles of all people, the uncircumcised, the people that you don't like, or the people that give you the heebie-jeebies, the people that make your skin crawl, the people that you uh, move away from uh, on the bench there in Arlo Guthrie's, Alice's Restaurant. Mm -hmm. All those sorts of people are now coming into the church, and so that's what happened last week. And now we've kind of switched from the story about Peter to the story about Paul, and there's been a shift in the book of Acts itself, so St. Paul is now there, the Pharisee who's been knocked off his horse and been converted. And he has a vision here in Acts chapter 16 about um, there's there's a Macedonian. There's a Greek guy, again, coming again to this idea of Gentiles, the wrong type of people coming in. There's a Greek guy who says, come over to Macedonia, and help us. So when yeah. that
1: happens, you go. That's so they, right. You go. This is a very po- important part in the structure of the book of Acts as well. When you're looking at the book of Acts, as we said, you know, it's going now from a Judea, a Samaria, and to the very ends of the earth. And, uh, you know, and with the way Luke is writing here, it's almost like a track meet and the, the baton is being almost handed off. We're moving from, so Peter is converting Gentiles, and now we're going to Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles. And so there is this pivot as we're moving to the very ends of the earth. And so this is an important scene in the fulfillment of Jesus's great commission Um, as it is moving now. They're moving from uh, just that center area of Syria and that whole area. Now they're going to Macedonia and making their way to Rome. And they show up in Macedonia, and they do what they do. they do doing it properly. They begin not by just going to the Greeks. They begin by preaching in the synagogues, because it goes first to the Jews and then to the Greek. And so they're beginning here by going to the synagogues. And there isn't necessarily, they don't have a minion here, so they're going to the place where everybody gathers to pray. Yeah, you, the, the rules where you had to have 10 Jewish people,
0: men, to have a synagogue, mm-hmm. and there apparently weren't that many, so they'd go by the river to have this kind of pr- place of prayer. But one little thing, just kind of before we even get to that, that this is one of those passages, preachers, where you're going to want to call your readers before Sunday morning and tell them practice, because otherwise they will have a massive panic attack when they get (laughs) into the lectern to read, and they're going to see Troas, Samothrace, Macedonia, Neapolis, and Philippi, and just, and Thyatira. There's just so many things where people can mess this up. And, um, you know, people are just nervous because God will be angry at them if they mispronounce these names. Yeah. And so uh, just give your give your lecters a, a leg up and say, hey, why don't you just read this and maybe even listen to an, a recording of it before you read it so you don't uh, have a panic attack. But anyways.
1: Can I so, tell you this funny story about Simmons Allison? So when he was um, a professor at VTS, Virginia Theological Seminary, he tells this story about, um, uh, you know, in their chapel service, they had a reader and they had reading from the Old Testament and the kid obviously didn't practice, but he got up there just boldly. Yeah. And the word was Hittite. And, uh, and so and he began to read and he was like, and the Israelites slew the high titties. And, um, um, and the word Hittite was in there seven times and he kept <laughs> saying high titties the whole time. So anyway, um, yes, call your people and uh, tell them. That uh, thank you for a few of you that have laughed. The rest of you remember the book of Acts last week and the Gentiles. That's and right. Anyway, that's I'd, right. No,
0: so. that, I, I, there's a my my lector story was somebody who was reading the passage of the creation and the creation of Adam and Eve and that they were naked and not ashamed. The word naked appears three times in that passage, <laughs> and I know that because this reader pronounced it naked. <laughs> And I felt each one of those three <laughs> naked uh, to my bones. I don't know how the congregation sort of kept it together. They were naked and they weren't ashamed. Anyways, we're getting off track.
1: So, but there, there's something very powerful here that's going on. Oh, wait, one more thing. Oh, good. Yeah.
0: Macedonia was where Olympus was, Mount uh-huh. Olympus, like Zeus and all the mm-hmm. pantheon of Greek gods. It was also where uh, Alexander the Great's dad was Philip, from, yep. Philip. Mm-hmm. And so, this, so to come, so a guy showing up from Macedonia, come over here and help us. It's sort of an unbelievable thing uh, to say, we want this message here yeah. too, um, Bring it. because these, this, this was the center in some ways of, at least in the past, religious and political ideology that was totally separate from what the gospel is trying to do. So again, just another idea that the gospel is designed it's- for the people that we don't think it's designed for. Yeah, that's right.
1: It is penetrating the pagan world, and it's penetrating the heart of the pagan world, and it will penetrate your hearts as well. And you see this breakdown too, because another strange thing that would be going on here is that Paul is hanging out with women. Yeah. And, uh, and this is, uh, you know, a very, um, this would have been a very strange thing. But here he is uh, demonstrating that the gospel, in the gospel, there is no longer Jew or Greek, free or slave, male or female, but all are one in Christ. And so everybody is worthy of this gospel, not just ten Jewish men. That's right. And so he is there, and he is bringing the heat. Right, because
0: normally as a good Pharisee, Paul, pre-conversion, if he'd gone to uh, Macedonia, and went down by the river um, uh, in a van, eating a steady diet of government cheese. No, that's the passage says he's uh, down by the river. It doesn't add the part about the van. That was me. Um, so he goes to the river, because by the way, for Jewish worship, it involves washing. So you need a source of water. So that's why they have this meeting place for prayer down by the river. And a good Pharisee getting there, seeing only women, would have said, eh, not so sure about not this. Not today. Not today, ladies. Um, <laughs> Go get your husbands, and we'll come back. Because even in the synagogue, men would sit on one side, women on the other. Um, So, but Paul gets there, and because he's a converted man who's come to realize that everything he used to think about God was wrong, Mm -hmm. he gets to the river, sees women there. And um, uh, and says, "All right, let's share the gospel with these with these people." Um, and uh, it turns out she's a dealer in purple cloth. Thyatira, which is where she's from, was a place that did a lot of dyeing and weaving and that sort of stuff. Uh, and um, and purple cloth is a, she would have had high-end clients. It's it's it was a very expensive sort of deal. I don't know if that's interesting at all to congregations. Probably no. don't talk about it. Just move on. Um, <laughs> But what's amazing, it says, the Lord opened her heart to listen eagerly to what was being said
1: by Paul. Uh, this shows that, again, this is not our work. this is This is the, the work of the Holy Spirit. absolutely. And then the whole family's baptized. and uh, you know and really, this isn't the text to make your case for infant baptism either. Um, but um, the point is is that you want to make is that the, uh, the dividing walls of hostility. Uh, whether it was between Jew or Greek, male or female, these things are being broken down. And really what we see in these readings, and we're going to begin to see it further too, is this concept of diversity. Everybody's always talking about diversity, diversity, diversity. And the truth is, is that God will, your job is to preach the gospel. Your job is to preach the forgiveness of sins. And that message is for everybody, Jew, Greek, black, brown, white everybody. And when you're preaching the gospel, um, that balm of Gilead will naturally speak and will do the work. So your job is to be the preacher and to preach the gospel, and that message is for everybody. And you see this beginning to work in Paul and his relationship here in Macedonia, and we're going to begin to see it now in the consummation of all things in our next reading in the book of Revelation. That's the perfect segue. So anyway, that's
0: that's your main ministry. Mm-hmm. I think we should get maybe some sort of uh, promotional deal with Segway, um, yeah. the maker of the so. loser scooters. Now they'll <laughs> now they'll never now they'll never do it <laughs> no. after what I
1: called them. But so we see here. Yeah, it's better just move just on. Just go to the book re- re- of Revelation on man, and to so, the Bible. But, uh,
0: revelation chapter 21 verse 10 and then 22, uh, uh, chapter 22, 20, to verse 5 of chapter 22. So it's a bunch of verses at the end of Revelation strung together from 21 and 22. Jake, go.
1: <laughs> well um so uh, he's carried here and uh, and he sees this temple and uh, and basically the point here of this imagery is that all of the troubles of the world have been eradicated you know what i mean we are coming upon something perfect. And uh, actually, the verses that are cut out are really, it's a real tragedy because you have these, uh, you know, these uh, 12 arches, which represent the 12 tribes of Israel, and their 12 arches rep- represent the tw- 12 apostles, which represents kind of completeness in this whole thing. And it's in a giant cube, which represents the holy of holies. And now, like, as opposed to just one person being able to go in there once a year, the entire world is in there that has been redeemed mm. by God. And so you have this very powerful hope and Vision of all of the dividing walls that have come down now between male and female, Jew, Greek, uh, black, white, it has all come down. Because we are all people in need, and we are all people who are in need of being saved. Mm. And uh, this is what God has done. He has saved us and brought us into this new Jerusalem. And uh, it is this amazing image of perfection um, that is just, uh, should be a real encouragement.
0: Yeah, so this passage, again, last week in Revelation, it talked about the city coming down from heaven, the new Jerusalem, and now it's sort of getting into a description of that. And uh, St. John the Divine, writing Revelation, says, I saw no temple in the city. Now, if you go to Jerusalem today, the temple ain't there, thanks to the Romans, but you can, it's still the most, that site is still the most prominent place in the city, and it's what you see, that golden dome, the Dome of the Rock, that's where the temple used to be. And um, al Oxar Mosque. That's right. And so, that, um, what John is saying is that's, that's gone, it's not there anymore. There's no temple, there's no need for a temple, because what's the temple for? It's a place to offer sacrifice. Mm. Absolutely, so for sins, and that's not needed anymore because we're all in, as you say. If
1: anybody is giving money to the Third Temple Project, please divert those funds to Mockingbird or to Calvary or St. To Capitol St. Capitol George's campaign. because St. we, we most campaign. certainly do not need a third temple. That's right. uh, the, uh, the, uh, there is a new temple already. It is called the Church, uh, and Jesus is the chief cornerstone by which the prophets and the apostles point to. The prophets pointing towards Jesus, the apostles pointing back towards Jesus, and even each of us as Christians are living stones, so there's no need for a third temple because we have a living temple right now of which you are all a part of. And we are all coming to something far cooler and far more amazing than any third temple project is going to create. So anyway, I'll stop there. But anyway... Um, <laughs> it's not the I just, same old man, song unless there's a rant. I know, I, I get that. really fired up at that stuff. I can stuff, sort of feel the heat on. radiating. Alright, all right, I'm done. It's awesome. I but it's, but it is true.
0: John. It is true. There is no more need because there is one lamb who was slain. Uh, it is done, and this New Jerusalem doesn't even need a temple anymore um, and I, but I do want to so we've talked about this no more need for sacrifice because Jesus has done it all the Holy of Holies is now not a place where one person maybe can go in but where we're all in it now this is the description you get in this chapter of revelation the other thing though again human beings who love to always rescue the law from the jaws of the gospel at the end, Preachers might be tempted to hit on this thing at the end where it says, but nothing unclean will enter it, nor anyone who practices abomination or falsehood. So now we're, instead of spending our time talking about the amazing thing everybody's in, we're going to define, we're going to spend 20 minutes defining all the ways you can be kept out.
1: That's right. Uh, let's
0: talk about abominations and falsehoods. And, and basically what these things are, An you know, abomination, termed idolatry, this is anybody who's going to be trusting in something other than the gospel. Mm trusting in themselves. This is somebody who thinks that they can get in on their own merits in some sense. Falsehood is another way of saying the same thing. Somebody who's not dealing with reality. Somebody who thinks that they bring something to the table. Somebody who thinks that it's something other than the grace of God through Jesus. Uh, Because he says, who are going to be the ones who get in? He doesn't say the Eagle Scouts. He doesn't say the choir members, the vestry members, the perfect people. Only those who are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Meaning, the people that have got Jesus plus nothing. Mm-hmm. The people that have just trusted Him. So uh, don't make this about the law. Uh, this is about the gospel, and it ends with this beautiful scene of this river of the water of life um, flowing from the throne. And again, um, this uh, uh, this water which brings life, and it's this, and it talks about the tree of life, which we haven't seen since Genesis, um, but here it's back, and there's fruit. Growing and it's this, it's a, it's a beautiful picture um, of this life with God um, because of what He's done for us in Christ. What else would you say about the, this end of
1: the Bible? Um, I mean, I would say uh, everything you said. I mean, yeah, and so it's there a will good idea uh, be no more night. There will be no need for light or lamp, and this is what we're all moving to. I mean, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign, and and they will reign forever and ever. And uh, this is the thing is that, you know, this has been the problem since the beginning, is that, you know, we are God's vice regents on this earth. We are his representatives on this earth. Um, The problem is, and and I love uh, Paul Walker, the rector of Charlottesville, he talks about this. It's not the fall, it's actually the reaching up. The issue is, is we have always wanted to be God. And uh, and, uh, there is coming a time when we will reign with him, but we are always wanting to jump the gun. And this is the issue of sin oftentimes is that we're always jumping the gun. But uh, there's a great joke you can tell in your sermon on this moment. And it's a story about um, the angel Gabriel coming to St. Peter and uh, saying, you know, listen, the numbers in heaven aren't adding up. There are more people in there than are in uh in my like registry, and so why is that possible? And Saint Peter goes, well, because Jesus keeps throwing people over the wall. <laughs> and so anyway, um, and uh, but that is that's the good news. Is that, and that's the thing is that you know people. I was thinking about what you said last week about a person worried about you know going to heaven and, and you know being confronted by someone they they uh, didn't reconcile with or anything like that. But you know this is that nothing accursed will be found there. Mm. You know this is going to be a place that is going to really be at peace. And peace is a Christian concept because peace is what you have when you have a clear conscience. And you can have a clear conscience because of Jesus and what He's done for you, and uh, and you will be in this place. That's right. Where the dividing walls have been torn down, and really this brings us into our gospel reading, um, the third reading. For
0: yeah, today. and and by the way, the tree of life is here at the end of Revelation, and the last time we saw that there were flaming swords keeping you from going That's back right. into Eden, but here the tree of life is back, and I just love it's a it's a second chance, it's a re, it's a do over, it's grace. It's the, a mulligan, the, the, yeah. the tree of life is back, and you get to be with it. All right, so John. Chapter 14, still at the Last Supper. Basically, John's Gospel. It's like half of Jesus. Half of it is Jesus's life before the Last Night on Earth, and then like the whole back half of it is all like basically Jesus in long speech. If you have a red letter Bible, like this whole back half of John's Gospel is just all Jesus talking. It's all red letter. So here he is, um, and he has again a statement that we're sort of we tend to make it about law. Those who love me will keep my word, and my Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words." We want to make that into an if-then statement. If you love me, you'll take me to Cancun for our tenth anniversary. You know, if you love me, you'll do what I say. And that if-then is not actually in here. It's just Jesus describing what's true. The people that love Jesus, because they've been loved by Him, will hopefully love other people the,
1: yeah. there's also something here too is that word word those who love me will keep my word is also those who love me will keep my command and what has he done just a few uh, a little bit earlier he has said do this in remembrance of me yeah, you know, drink this in remembrance of me, and so that is the com- that is the command that's going on. Those who love me will keep my command. They'll keep my word. They'll uh, and heck yeah, who doesn't want to take communion at church? That's right. <laughs> Praise delicious. God, it's yeah. delicious. The, the 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 those who love me will keep my word. Again, you got to be careful,
0: Bible readers. What do what are you superimposing on the statement? Those who love me will keep my word. You've just now added at the phrase my word all the things your youth group leader or your preacher told you to do, which may or may not have been scriptural commandments. They could have been cultural interpretations or his own interpretation or whatever. Jesus's word is believe in me, do this
1: in remembrance of me, trust in me. That's what it looks like if you love That's the right. Lord. Jesus tells that to the Pharisees. They say, what must we do to do the will of the Father? And he says, believe in the one whom he sent. That's right. Like that is it. I mean, it is faith in Jesus. And then
0: he says, uh, by the way, after he says this thing about if you love me, it, what it looks like is keeping my word, uh, and, he, and then to add grace upon grace, he says, and I'm going to send the advocate, the Holy Spirit, so you're not going to do this on your own. You're going to have somebody doing this in you, through you, for you.
1: Yeah, he, Jesus, this is the good news of the gospel. Jesus does not send you out into the world uh, with a knife and say, you know, do your best. Maybe I'll do the rest. No, he sends you an advocate, the Holy Spirit, and this is the one who's appealing on your behalf. Jesus' very presence in the midst of his perceived absence. No, he's there and he's for you. And so, and it's good that he's gone away because now he sent the spirit. He's not just like trapped in time and in a location, he's everywhere. And then he ends this verse uh,
0: or this passage with these amazing verses, peace I leave with you. Again, he's getting ready to die, this is the end. He's given them Holy Communion, the Lord's Supper, uh, remember who I am and what I've done for you. Um, and he, and his, his closing words, peace I leave with you, my peace I leave with you. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And this is an amazing thing because I think Jesus here, greatest pastor of the world ever, um, recognizes that the default setting for human beings is anxiety. And he realizes that's where they are. And that's why he has to say to them, peace I leave with you. Not only, And he could have just ended it there. But he says, my peace I give to you and not as the world gives. This is a new thing.
1: Yeah, um, and that's powerful because, you know, your heart is troubled by a conscience. You know, heart. our hearts are often troubled in all sorts of things because of stuff we've done and uh, left undone. I always tell people when I'm teaching on the uh, confession and the liturgy, your issue is not the things you've done. The things are undone. It's not the things known. It's the things unknown mm. that should keep you up at night and freaked out. And Jesus says, man, no, no, no. A uh, peace I give you, um, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives, aka, hey, it's cool, don't worry about it. No, no, there's like a real issue. You know what I mean? And, yeah. uh, and uh, Jesus is saying, no, peace I give to you because my peace for a clear conscience so you can live your life is sealed in my blood. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not, hey, it's basically cool. No, it's I'm going to die for this. Mm. That's how big this is. And it's amazing. That's right. Uh, and uh, if that doesn't
0: work, CBD is now legal in New York. Every bodega has told me that since I've arrived, so no, I'm not advocating that either. No,
1: Well, you know, th- that that is actually an interesting thing though, is that we do live in a society that is completely medicated all the time. Actually, Dave Zoll and I were walking home from dinner uh, the other night, and there were uh, literally these marijuana candy trucks on like every corner. And uh, what is happening is uh, because we have this, um, this deep wound in our conscience and there's zero forgiveness, I've said this several times in the pulpit, we live in a society where everything is permitted and nothing is forgiven. Mm-hmm. That actually comes from Alan Jones, who was the great uh, dean of Grace Cathedral in San Francisco for a long time. But um, we live in this age where everything is permitted, but nothing is forgiven. And the problem is, is that, see, we're not allowed to grow And we're not allowed to, like, you know, actually confront things because we're just medicating the pain. Mm. And it's kind of like, um, I mean, it's a real thing, and so we're just kind of living in these shelters, not dealing with it, but just medicating. I mean, it really is a, a brave new world with the, I mean, I don't want to deal with this, so let me just take another pill. Let me eat a brownie. And, uh, and this is the balm uh, that the gospel gives, and this is the peace that actually Jesus gives, is that your past is really forgiven. Yeah. Like you have a clear con, leave this place today with a clear conscience because you're just not not guilty. You're totally innocent, and that needs to be proclaimed from your pulpit this Sunday.
0: Amen. Well, that'll preach. Uh, um, God desireth not the death of sinners, but rather they would turn from their ways and live. Um, and uh, you guys are forgiven. So, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. And I think that'll amen. end us uh, for today.
1: All right. Thank you, everybody, for being here. Hit it, and Jake. Uh, yeah. Woo! Good doing this in person.
0: <laughs> Thanks for listening to Same Old Song, and we hope you found some nuggets that will be helpful either in your preaching or just in your life. If you like what you heard, We would love it if you could leave a rating or review on iTunes. Dave's all will be sad if you don't. We'd like to thank the Narrativo Group for audio production. Keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll.